0: Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. I remember that Sunday almost like I remember today. Um, It was a December Sunday about 15 years ago. Except for this Sunday, we, um, we were doing the children's Christmas program that Sunday morning. How many of you remember children's Christmas programs? How many of you were in a children's Christmas program? Come on. Like, if you look back, some of us, we played every role, right? I've been Joseph. I guess I wasn't Mary. I wasn't one of those. But um, it was Joseph. Yeah, it was a donkey probably. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it was one of those Sunday mornings. We did this there. And, and you know, the church I had served at on staff, I'd actually had a heart to start a bus ministry. And, and we had actually, we had bought a bus. We had started this. And man, we, were, we picked up a ton of people. A ton. That's probably an exaggeration. But we picked up people every Sunday. It was, it was great. And um, we'd pick up sometimes adults, but mostly kids, right? Uh, Kids that parents maybe just weren't interested in church, but they were good with sending their kids to Sunday school and service. And so I remember that Sunday morning, sure enough, a part of the scene up on the platform and and the nativity was, uh, there were kids that um, we had picked up every week, right? And there were these two brothers, all right? And uh, they were sheep that year I look back on it maybe that was what sparked what happened next because they were in these woolly costumes I'm sure it was hot up there the lights on them woolly costumes sitting in some straw you know the scenes just it's so iconic Uh, we have Mary and Joseph doing their thing we have wise men and we have that stable area shepherds We've got sheep. And I don't know what was said or done. But these two brothers that were about a year apart, all of a sudden, in the middle of our perfect little scene that's been recreated millions of times in millions of churches, all of a sudden chaos broke loose. And we had two sheep that were all of a sudden kicking and scratching and clawing and rustling around in the hay. I mean, it was like hell broke loose in the middle of nativity. And they were going at it. They didn't care if it was in front of three or 400 people. And I remember I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, so how do I do this? When all of a sudden mom, who had showed up that day to see her sons be nice little sheep, <laughs> marches right up the middle aisle, right up on the stage, Grabs both of her boys and hauls them out of the service. And all of a sudden, our nativity lacked sheep. (laughs) I've laughed about that I don't know how many times as I've thought about that. You know, Um, just how funny that was. But then I also think about how much of a snapshot maybe that is of our own world. This is what we do. I mean, think about our first family. The first family. They didn't even have another clan to fight with. There was no McCoys and they were the Hatfields. It was just them. Right? Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel. And we're fighting. And there's turmoil. And there's strife. And there's division. It's like somebody looking on would say, I don't know how this is going to go if the first family is already fighting amongst each other. Right? I thought, man, that little, that Sunday scene that brought me so much laughter. Kind of a snapshot. And so that's why it's so startling and important that in the middle of our of the advent of Jesus Christ, the first advent of Jesus Christ, the shepherds are listening to an angel choir and they're singing, declaring the glory of God's coming to earth. And these are the words they sang to those shepherds and to us that day. Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace. On earth, peace. I mean, if you looked at this world, you would think, wow, how is that going to happen? And yet, The proclamation of the angels to mankind was this one that was born that evening was going to pull it off. He was going to bring peace to this earth. I mean, it's one of the most dominant themes of the Advent season, right? It's on Christmas cards. You see it posted everywhere. Peace on earth. I'll bet you have something in your house in Christmas decorations that say this little phrase. Peace on earth. And yet, like Henry Wadsworth Longfellow writes in I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, the sentiment of many is this. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong. And mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. I mean, turn on cable news this evening. I promise you. I promise you that somebody's fighting about something. I guarantee you, I'll even bet you tonight that if you turned on your cable news, somebody will be fighting about something tonight. In some segment, on some show. There will not be peace on cable news tonight. Think about the world that we live in with its worry and its hurry and its choices and its pluralism and its uncertainty and its fear of future. Peace on earth. Wow. Peace is commonly defined as a sense of calm, tranquility, Bliss, contentment, a well-being that we feel when everything is going the way we'd like it. Honestly, most of the time we think of peace in this phrase, the absence of trouble. And so often our energies are in just keeping the peace. I mean, we have UN peacekeepers all over the world that go into these places that are torn by civil wars and strife and they're there just to try to keep the peace, right? And I think I find that it's not just countries the UN goes to, but it's in communities and in homes all over the place where so often family members... Friends, co workers are trying really hard to just keep the peace. And that's how we think of peace. If we can just stop trouble from happening, if the external hassles can be removed. That's the common contemporary worldly understanding of peace on earth. And so if you were to look at the coming Messiah who promises and declares to bring peace on earth, and you look at this world, you might scratch your head and you might begin to think, well, that that was a complete failure. Because everywhere I turn on news nationally, globally, locally, in my home, There is so much strife and division. How can there be ever peace on earth? And if we understand peace to simply mean the absence of trouble, then we will go about in our lives just trying to keep the peace. And yet, you and I both know that if you just try to keep the peace, you're always gonna have to just trying to be keeping the peace, right? You 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 ever been the person who's trying to keep the peace in your family? Have you ever been the person that everybody else is trying to keep the peace with? You know how that goes? Like, you keep the peace and you get through one thing but you know that it's just a matter of time before what? It's going to come back around. Keeping the peace never fixes the problem. And if we think keeping the peace is what the idea of this, idea of peace is, Jesus of peace is just just the absence of trouble, I just want to remind you today that it's such a shallow, flawed, incomplete, and ineffective understanding of what Jesus says or what Jesus, who Jesus was when the angels declared that he has arrived and in his arrival there will become peace on earth. You see, English word for peace is like this. The Hebrew word for peace is like arms wide open. You've probably recognized the word they talked about in the Advent reading, but it's the idea of shalom, shalom. Shalom is this this Old Testament Hebrew word that God incorporated into his people's understanding of what he desires for this world. But you know what? It's often, it's easy to think, okay, shalom, Hebrew word, Hebrew people, Hebrew concept. We've moved on from that. And yet, when you begin to look through the New Testament, that idea of shalom in the Old Testament is carried right over to the New Testament. The people of God now, the church of Jesus Christ, are still centered around this idea of being a people of peace. The concept has not went away. In fact, now in Jesus Christ, he has revealed what it looks like and he calls us to embody it in a much greater way than even the Old Testament people. We're able to accomplish. Shalom. It does mean. The absence of trouble. But that's just like. A starter. It's not a complete meaning. It's, It's just. That's one of the things. But it doesn't even get to the heart. Of what shalom is. Shalom is. The idea of bringing wholeness and completeness throughout. Wholeness. Made right. Set right. Fixed. Restored. Reconciled. The biblical understanding of peace is not just stopping people from fighting. It's not just stopping Aunt Ed and Cousin, Aunt Ed, what? Cousin Eddie and Aunt whoever from fighting at Christmas. Well, we had peace. We stopped them. That's just so shallow. To understand the peace of God is a much thorough, deep, all-encompassing, complete idea. Shalom, peace of God, is the end of injustice. The peace of God is a place where the rich no longer devour the poor. The peace of God is a place where brokenness is set right and healed. Shalom, peace of God, means that people move into loving relationship with one another. It's this deep flowing, this broad, all-encompassing, em- all embracing all of creation that Things will be restored and made right. Peace on earth is not just to get you to stop fighting. It's to restore all of creation again. To make it right. I think about what Paul in Romans talks about. That not only are we inwardly groaning to be healed, to be made right, but all of creation itself is groaning. Plants, animals, earth, the curse of sin has so marred and destroyed that everything is just groaning for things to be made new and made right. That is what the peace on earth is all about. The Jews, they saw this. They knew someone was coming who would open that door. That is why the promised Messiah was told to be the prince of peace. And his government and what? Peace will never It's an amazing title when you consider that at the time Isaiah wrote those words that monarchs were seen as only those who brought war and destruction. Just conquer and grab and destroy and eat and, and, you know. In the middle of that, there's this promise that there's one coming that is actually going to bring wholeness, soundness, in fact, to understand peace biblically is to see this, that there's wholeness throughout creation, that there's harmony in relationships, that there is success and fulfillment of purpose. Part of the peace that God has for you is he has a design of your life. He has something He wants you to do and there comes peace and alignment that what you were made to do, you begin to do. You live at peace. In fact, actually this word carries with it the idea of victory over one's enemies. Often in the Old Testament, the peace or the shalom of God in a fallen, hard difficult situation for the people of God that in the midst of that God was a warrior who would protect and bring peace to his people. This is what it means to understand peace. And so when glory to God in the highest and on earth peace toward men, we began to understand that God wasn't just saying hey I'm here to to." To get you guys to stop fighting, it's like, I'm here to begin the work, the process of making and restoring all things in this world. Are you with me? Okay. All right. That's important. I I want to make sure, because then I just want to talk to you about how the scriptures explain to us this happens. It's kind of, for me, like in three prepositions. English people out there, remember your prepositions? Can you name off about ten of them? I'm not even sure I could do that right now. I think I could. But I want you to think of peace in three things. With, of, and for. Peace with God, peace of God, peace for it's in these words that the scriptures begin to, to like unpackage what it means to live with the shalom peace of God. To experience the peace on earth that God promised he would be. And to then become a part of how he is going to continue to bring peace to a broken, sinful Fighting world. Let's just think about these for a minute. Let's talk about peace with God. Um, here's, here's what I want to remind you of. That the peace that is through Scripture is a peace that is never circumstantial. It's never circumstantial. It's a peace. That is there whether things are going really well or when your team can't even score a touchdown. Come on, big blue. I know you're in here. I knew it. I saw a lot of you in this service. I thought, oh man, even wearing shirts. Like the world says, peace comes when my circumstances are good. Scripture says peace is experienced. I don't care if it's good, bad, or ugly. You are never disconnected from the peace of God. It's always there. It's the privilege of every believer, every child of God. It's there in the good. It's there in the bad. It's there in the mundane. It's there in the day-to-day. The peace of God always, always abides in the heart of a believer. Amen? Like, ah, this is so, this is so right. And that happens through these three prepositions. Peace with God. Peace with God. Remember what Romans says. Therefore, Having been justified through faith. Justified. It means things have been made right. Things are good now. Having been justified by faith. We have been justified before God. We are now right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. What happens because we have now been justified by faith is we have peace with. This is foundational for us as a people who have never known peace. And the reason why we have never known peace is we have never known God. And we have not been connected to God. And because we are born in our sin and we're selfish and self-centered, we naturally fight, we strive, there's strife, there's all of these things. There's divisions, there's wars, there's all of this. This is what we do. We are not at peace ever because we do not know God because in our sinful fallen condition the natural result of that is we as we live out our own thing we become enemies with God amen this is not like exciting right now and I know I'm not supposed to tell you bad things anymore but the reality is that you and me have been enemies with God. We have rebelled against our creator. All of us have like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his, our own way. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The principle of sin is I want to do my own thing. The only problem is this is not our own created world. It's God's world, His plan, His deal. We are His creation. And so, naturally, us wanting in our image of God fallen, wanting to control, we have become enemies with God. This is what causes the conflict of all time, is because we want and you want. And what you want and what I want are not good. And so we fight and there is no peace. And we lose our sense of wholeness and rightness. Because as we pursue our own things, we damage and destroy and mar the creation God has given to us. We desperately need this peace with God. We need to cease being rebels. It's the only way to peace. Is to turn from ourself and sin, to recognize what this justified thing is. Christ comes, gives Himself. He, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way, and God laid upon Jesus the iniquity for us all. That God in His holy, righteous. Person, it cannot be in relationship with sin. That Jesus takes the place for us in punishment and provides now the ability for forgiveness to be offered, to be received, and experienced. And now you and I can be right, restored, reconciled with God. Amen. No longer an enemy with God, having enmity with God. To experience peace, this is the foundational part, is to finally just let go of your own self, life, and to turn to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. This is what brings peace with God. It's what Colossians would say. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making what? Peace through his blood shed on the cross. The psalmist would say this, that righteousness and peace have kissed each other. That without righteousness there is no peace peace. And so this morning, I want to remind you that the peace that God brings, the peace on earth that he promised through the angels singing to the shepherds and to us, is a peace on earth that is reconciliation. This is where peace starts. And as you and I are reconciled, to God at peace with God the natural outflow is you and I begun to be we begin to be reconciled to one another can't be reconciled to one another without first being reconciled to God it just won't work you can go good for a while but I promise you it'll fall apart and so peace on earth is about reconciliation, making things right, restoring relationship. God and the outflow of that begins to be with one another. The second preposition is the peace of God. The peace of God. Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and pep petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Think about what John John recorded of Jesus saying, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world The world gives peace when circumstances are always good. Jesus said, I give peace regardless. I give you a peace that is actually transcending your circumstances, transcending everything. That you can experience peace. You know, it's in relationship to experiencing the peace of God. I think that Paul intentionally talks about not being anxious about anything. Because those who have moved into peace with God and reconciliation find that in this world it is difficult to navigate through a uncertain, troubled, unsettled world with a sense of settled peace. And what What is promised and what Christ is about and how peace on earth happens is when the children of God who have Christ in them begin to just sit and trust and depend on the spirit that's in them to continually supply the peace that God gives. I mean, think about anxiety. Think about your own life, your anxiety. It comes from the fear of the future, right? You don't know what's going to happen, how something's going to turn out. And you begin to be anxious and your peace is gone. Experimentally, you're just consumed with doubt and uncertainty and fear. Oftentimes, anxiety comes from conflicts in the present, or it comes from regret over the past. And then, word anxiety, it's, it's in the Greek, it's literally a divided mind. A divided mind. I, I like the, the German definition of anxiety it is a picture of being strangled. In other words, the anxiety. From the circumstances you're in are strangling you, choking out life from you. And that's what anxiety does. And it's in the middle of that, that, ro- that wants to rob peace from this world, anxiety, that the promise is that if you'll trust, depend, pray, as he's going to say a few verses after what we read, dwell in your mind on those things that are right, holy, just, pure, good report that the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. That's why Isaiah would say you will keep in perfect peace those whose mind are steadfast because they trust in you. You see peace on earth is it's reconciliation but peace on earth is actually also confidence. The confidence to live day in and day out, living out of the peace of God that His Holy Spirit brings to our hearts and guards our minds day in and day out. What's amazing about Scripture is there's always something that God, as He works in our life and He, he changes our life and He helps us to live into the abundant life, the abundant life is living with peace, is it not? That's that's the life God has for you and me, to let, like Colossians says, the peace of Christ ruling over our hearts and minds. That's what God's plan and purpose is for you. You're reconciled with God. You have peace with God. Now you're living out of that reconciliation, having experienced the peace of God, like confident living day in and day out. I am just trusting, depending, realizing that you have my life and the circumstances of my life in your hands. And as your child, you are in control. What's amazing, though, is God says, now that you have, have realized my peace and you're experiencing my peace, I want you to share my peace. That's why he would say, blessed are The peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. You see this idea of bringing shalom, of wholeness, of harmony in relationships, of bringing, uh, trying to see the success and fulfillment of everything around you. It calls for you to not just experience God's peace, but to share God's peace. It was Martin Luther who says this, true peace is not merely the absence of tension, it is the presence of justice. You see, Christ comes to change this world. That night when the angels declared peace on earth, set into motion something that will that has begun and it will never be snuffed out. The kingdom of Christ has begun that night, and it will never end. And it's only going to come to a final realization of peace over this whole earth. But as we march toward that, as we walk toward that, as his children, being about what he's about, we join with him in trying to bring peace to this world in every area. And peace is Not just stopping fighting. It's trying to bring wholeness and restoration to everything we see. I use the old social justice phrase. So don't jump off the bandwagon here with me. But it is true. If you want peace, seek justice. That's the problem. Like the minute I say social justice, we all have these misconstrued ideas, right? Like, well... We're not about social justice. Those people are whack. Well, they've taken something that is wrong in our world. Inequality. Injustice. Not fair. They've, they've jumped on something, but they've used it for their own means. Their own goals. So what we've done is we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. The people of God have always been about what Jesus was about. About redeeming, restoring, working toward, helping people experience the wholeness that God has. It starts with bringing people to Christ and seeing them experience Him in their life, but then also fighting together against the injustices this world has. This world will never come to peace until justice prevails. And you and I care about that as his children. Blessed are the peacemakers is not, don't fight. Blessed are the peacemakers are people who look around their own little world and say, what can I do to help people be restored, renewed, brought to wholeness? healed what can i do to fight for the equality in my area what can i do to push back against injustice in my area that's what it means to be a peacemaker is to push back against all that is not shalom because the kingdom of jesus christ is the shalom kingdom And as we await his coming and the promise, I am doing my best to do what I can to help people come to peace, to experience wholeness, to fight for their their lives caught in injustice and unfairness. In fact, peace on earth is not only reconciliation and not only confidence, but it's proactive. So as you and I think about this Advent season, as you read this story, no doubt, around your table, or as you think about this, you hear this song on a ton of different carols, Peace on Earth. Recognize that It's more than just stopping fights or starting fights. (laughs) It's about bringing God's restoring power into this world. (laughs) It starts with you and I having peace with God and walking in the peace of God. Then it's us sharing that peace around us. And that peace is far deeper than stopping conflicts. It's about helping people be healed and made whole. It's about a world of us fighting against injustice. And in doing so, we magnify the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we point people to the better thing that can be here and it's going to happen. We attract them to what God truly can do. In our fight for justice, people are drawn to a just God who has treated all people fairly through His Son, Jesus Christ. In fact, he's treated them unfairly. He's went above and beyond what any of us could ever, right? And we are about proclaiming that to this world. Father, help us to grab a hold of peace a little bit more tightly this year. Help us to to not just dismiss it as, well, there's peace because no one's fighting. To realize that peace is reconciliation. Peace is living in the confidence of our place as God's children. We're not fearful of the future. We're not regretting over the past. We're not not just existing in the conflicts in the present. Your peace can transcend all that. Lord, help us to also understand that our role in this world is to bring that restoring, reconciling, reconciling grace of Jesus Christ so that people might experience wholeness, healing. So Lord, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. It's the start of you making all of this right. And we glory in that today. We trust in that. That's our hope. That's what we want to be about Lord, help us not to fall into the trap of being at peace if things are going good, but realizing that the work you started, the mission you, you uh, kicked off that night in a stable is something that's eternal, everlasting, that will never end. Help us to join in that, I pray. I pray these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.